Hello, Internet. Welcome into the 10 Things Podcast. My name is Craig. Sitting right to my left. Right to your left. Right to my left. Literally right next to me. Aaron Brooks. What's up? How are you doing? I'm good. Um, so at the time of recording this, I don't know what time you will be listening to this, but at the time at the time of recording, Aaron, we are in the midst of the beginnings of football season. Oh, it, it's here! It's here. Now the weather does not agree with football yet. No, it's still like a hundred degrees outside. I'm glad I'm not putting on the pads and out oh there on the field playing. I feel sorry for those guys. I got a couple of people I know who are playing football, and the other day we were out and about, and he was just praying for rain because he knew he would have to put on put on pads and get out on that turf that afternoon. At, I mean, he, practice was at four o'clock. Oh man. And he was dreading it. And I could imagine. I was like, well, I want to go home to the air conditioning. <laughs> oh. Uh, but football season's here. Um, I've been listening to – I did my fantasy draft yesterday. Yes. My first fantasy draft of this – my only, really, this year. I think it's the only fantasy football league I'm in this year. And it, it looked like a good team, in my opinion. Yeah. I was pretty happy with it. There's a, there's a couple of picks I, um, I wish I would have gotten – made differently but other than that i think i'm pretty happy with it um college football starts back up this saturday yes um nfl preseason is already going on um so it's just a great time to be a football fan and if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a football fan um why did you choose to listen to this episode is the question you're just a diehard fan of us i guess exactly um, we love our diehard fans. Yeah. I, all one of them. Woo! Maybe one of us is married to them. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, obviously I say that because of my wife's not listening to any of this. And mine is. And yours is. So there you go. She's referenced it several times. <laughs> that, and it's just kind of odd. That terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because we record these and I just assume nobody listens to them. And so to think that people listen to what we're actually saying makes me more cautious of what I say. Exactly. So, uh, Speaking of football this Saturday, we have a very interesting game. Typically, that, that very first game the last few years to me has not been a very exciting game. But we have Florida versus Miami this Saturday night. Wow, really? Yeah. That early? That early. Isn't that usually like an end-of-the-year game? Or do we just assume it is because it's a robbery game? Yeah, probably. Wow. Florida's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, ranked number eight in the country. That's this Saturday? This Saturday, so 6 the, o'clock on ESPN. By the time this airs, that will have been in the past. Exactly. So let's just start off the, the podcast and the season with your first prediction of the year on, on a game. Uh, Florida, seven-and-a-half-point underdog, ranked number eight against Miami. Who's winning? Miami. Ooh, upset. Yeah. All right. Wait, hold up. Time out. Where's it at? Who's got home field? It's a it's a neutral field game. Okay. Camping World Stadium. It's in Jacksonville? Is that where that is? Yeah, I think that's the home of the Jaguars. Okay. So, Miami. 
I mean, Mark Rick, you can't. 73% say Florida wins. Yeah. So you're definitely taking the... Yeah, I've never been one to go with the crowd. All right. Well, if you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell today we were talking about football. Um, it's something that I know is very special to both of us. Uh, we are big football fans. Uh, Aaron, do you remember your first football game? Attending or watching on TV or Attending. what? Uh, yes. Uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Razorback game as a kid. Unforgettable experience. Calling the Hogs for the first time at the stadium. You know. Um, wow. I, still, I, I was just looking at pictures from that game a couple of weeks ago and uh, reminiscing on how great it was. You know, to be a to be a young kid going to my very first, uh, I, I had probably been to a high school football game or something like that, but big time football game, Razorback Stadium, that was a great experience. Yeah, my, mine was the same way, except it was in Little Rock, nineteen ninety eight against Mississippi State. Okay, in Little Rock, um, yeah, nineteen ninety eight in Little Rock against Mississippi State was my first game. Uh, my my parents had some friends who just happened to have an extra ticket and uh they said hey you want to go and i was like oh, sure and the rest is history i remember as an even younger kid probably 96 95 96 living in denver colorado i was supposed to have the opportunity to go to mile high stadium watch the great john elway play oh, man. and for some reason something happened and, and it fell through and I ended up not getting to go to the game. Oh, man. And uh, I've been bitter since 1995, 1996 about that. Yeah. Well, I know how you feel. Um, Razorback fans will know this one. I I actually had the chance to go to the Miracle on Markham. Oh, man. And didn't do it. Wow. Because for us, I mean, the day after Thanksgiving for us has always been almost a holiday in and of itself. Sure. And so uh, they said, do you want to go? I said, well, it's. It's kind of tradition. We stay at home and we decorate the tree that day. I know you guys already have your tree up for like three months, but that's exactly. the day. See, if you do the tree ahead of time, yeah. then this wouldn't have happened. Uh, that's the day we decorate the tree and we always watch the game together. And so, um, yeah, I missed out on it. But we are talking about football and we're talking about 10 things about football that maybe you didn't know. Um, even some of the more, I don't know, maybe diehard fans would know these things, but. Um, some of them doing some research I didn't know, um, and so it was just same here. It was really fun to kind of go through and find some things that uh, people might not realize about football. Um, so, without further ado, Aaron, you, let's dive into it. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? You 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 take the lead this time. Okay. Yeah, I want to take the lead. Um, I'm going to start with number one for me, and talk about. Um, the last NFL player to play without a helmet. Ooh. So, you know, way back in the day, they used to not have helmets like we do now. Right. Um, in fact, they didn't have helmets at all. Um, and so they would wear these just like leather, little kind of leathery things just to help protect a little bit. But, you know, rugby, they don't play without, they play without helmets. But. Way back in the day, they didn't play without helmets either. And the last NFL player to play without a helmet's name was Dick Plasman. 
He played without a helmet from 1937 all the way until 1941. And this is the interesting thing about him. He left in 19 at the end of the 1940 season and went to the military. I'm assuming for you know to serve in parts of this would have been right before World War II, right? Yes. Um, so maybe some you know peacekeeping operations or whatever. He went into the military, and when he came back from the military in 1943, he had to wear a helmet. It changed while he was in the military. Oh. So the uh, the last time that he played, being the last player to play without one, was in the 1940 NFL championship game. Wow. So, Dick Plasman, last player to play. That's a, that's a great name. It, it's just a football name. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love it. Yeah, so that's my, that's my first one. Okay. Uh, well, many people know that the object that they use to play the game with, we call it a football. That's true. Other parts of the world call that a soccer ball. Yeah. Or they call it a football. We call it a soccer ball. Yeah, that's weird. We're talking about American football today. Come on. And uh, there's also another nickname that this object has, known as a pigskin. Yeah. Okay. Many people probably don't know that uh, it takes 35,000 cowhides to manufacture a year's worth of regulation NFL footballs. Say that number one more time. 35,000 cowhides to manufacture a year's worth of regulation NFL footballs. Wow. One cowhide will, appro- will produce approximately 15 to 25 footballs. So, I found this really interesting. As you always talk about the, the odds of becoming an NFL player or a collegiate athlete. Well, if, you, if you're a cow and your goal one day is to become... A pigskin, <laughs> which has nothing to do with pigs. Yeah. All right. Uh, they were never made of pigskin. Yeah. I, I wonder why it's called that. They've always been made of leather. Cowhide. Maybe because cowskin just sounds weird. Let's go toss yeah. around the old cowskin. I, I know. Uh, that doesn't sound too bad, though. Pigskin just fits. Yeah. But an estimated one in 952.4 cows will see their hides turned into an NFL football. Of those, only 1 in 58.11 will ever be used in an NFL game. And about 1 in 158 will make it into a Super Bowl. Wow. The odds that a randomly chosen American cow sees its hide made into a football and used in the Super Bowl is one in 17,424,000. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. I wonder what the number is for like, because I mean, that's, that's just talking about NFL football. Or just NFL. So I mean, you talk, you got to factor in college and high school, high school uh-huh. and peewee, and then just recreational use. That's nuts. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was a very interesting, random fact and math equation you know i wonder okay they've got to be working with some kind of because there's no way they just 
let the rest of the cow go to waste. Right. They got to be working with like a beef supplier and then the you know butchers and grocery store chains or burgers or McDonald's. They got to be working with somebody else. You would think. Or maybe maybe it's the ranchers or something who are. They're the ones kind of selling them by. This sounds so so bad. <laughs> selling them by the piece, you know. Right. Like, I'm going to raise them and then I want to slaughter them, and you get the hide, you get the meat, you get the marrow, you get the this, and you get the that. I have an answer for you on the pigskin thing, though. Oh, okay. Thanks to the internet, the Yay, magic of internet. Internet. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the term comes from an archaic English sport called mob football, or among the more academically-minded medieval football. So they used an inflated pig's bladder. Oh, my gosh. As their... Uh, this is how we got it? Yes. This was the original, The you know, how the game began. They would, they would run the inflated pig's bladder from one end of a village to the other. And... Uh, Eventually, they quit using inflated pig bladders, and you know the rest is history. So this was medieval times. Was this so London, kind of Europe? Yeah, yes. According to the article that I'm reading, that's how it looks. So I mean, I know that American football got its roots from like rugby and soccer, right? So is that maybe how rugby was formed first? May have been. Wow. This article doesn't mention that, but. I feel like we should have had a disclaimer, you know, the more you know at the beginning of this episode, right. because it is so factual. Yeah. That's really... And gross. I mean... <laughs> okay, so it's a pig bladder. You say it was dried? Or just... It just said inflated pig's bladder. Surely they dried it out. I hope so. Who had the job of blowing that thing up? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like... Let me stick my mouth on one end. And... Until it inflates, and God forbid that thing pop. Right. Oh. The smell that would come out of that would be terrible. So we no longer use pig bladders when playing football, but it is nice to, to eat the, uh, the occasional pork rind while yeah. watching football. I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a pork rind fan. Yeah. Okay, so I am going to go. I want to take the time machine back, the DeLorean. Ooh. I'm going to take it back one more time to 1939. 1939 was the first game to ever be televised. 1939? 1939. This is the first game to be televised. It's between the Philadelphia eagles and the brooklyn dodgers now this is this is something i wanted to get more into and just did not have a lot of time to research it but i mean i know that a lot of teams i would love to study more the history of team name changes right because way early on i know it was really really interesting uh but we think of brooklyn dodgers we think immediately of baseball baseball uh, but they were originally football. Wow. Um, so on this day, 1939, NBC presented the first televised professional football game, a matchup between the Eagles and Dodgers. The game took place at the Dodgers' home field, Ebbets Field. Uh, 
there were just over 13,000 fans in the stands. And another 500 or so, this just tells you, 500 other people were able to watch the game. Uh, That's crazy. The, yeah. It was uh, an experimental station of NBC, uh, W2XBS. It was simulcast at the World's Fair in New York at the RCA Pavilion. Um, on the Pro Football Hall of Fame website, NBC's play-by-play announcer, Alan Skip Walls, offered a wonderful account of how he sat in the stands in the mezzanine section and pointed to where the action was happening so the cameraman who was sitting behind him would know where to aim the camera. So, I mean, you're talking the very first, it was primitive. They didn't know how where the camera needed to go. And you're talking about probably a cameraman who may not really have followed football. Right. And so the play-by-play man was saying, look right over there, you can see him doing this. Uh, by the way, the Dodgers won 23-14. to 14. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I would, I mean, and I've always said this, I would love to go back and trace where all the names, you know, went, went from. Because, I mean, I know at one point it was the, uh, the Baltimore Colts. Yes. You know, you had the L.A. Raiders, the L.A. Chargers, the L.A. Rams, the, um, you've had several teams change. It was the Houston Oilers at one point. Not even that long ago for the Oilers. Um, but, yeah, first televised, televised game ever. That is fascinating. Yeah. And I'm still blown away by 500 watching the game. I mean, how many tune in for the, for the Super Bowl now? I mean, it's like the biggest televised event in the oh world, my gosh. isn't it? There's millions, probably hundreds of millions of people are watching. It, to have grown from that to where we are today is completely mind-boggling. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw back as well, uh, kind of go back to the, to the roots, the beginning. Uh, as you mentioned, we're in the middle of preseason NFL right now. The preseason always begins with a Hall of Fame game played in Canton, Ohio, which is where this organization began in 1920s when it was founded, the American Professional Football Association. Jim Thorpe was the first president. Oh, yeah. Very Mm -hmm. well-known name. Uh, We have the Jim Thorpe Award. Yeah. Uh, And so uh, 1920 is when this what we know as the NFL began as the American Professional Football Association and then changed in 1922 to the National Football League. And when they began in 1920, they had five teams from Ohio, four teams from Illinois, two from Indiana, two from New York, and then the Detroit Heralds from Michigan. Wow. It's so weird because you think of football now as such a southern thing. Yes. That's really interesting. Of all these original franchises, there's only two left today. You have the Cardinals. They were originally in Chicago. They moved, of course, to... uh, uh, They left for St. Louis after the 1959 season. And then today, located out in Arizona. Yeah. So at one point, there was the St. Louis Cardinals in both football and baseball? Yeah. yeah, that's apparently that's really crazy. Uh, and then the second team that still remains from the original uh, the original group of football teams from the NFL was the Decatur Staleys. They moved to Chicago in 1921, and in 1922 
they changed their name to the Bears. The Bears. Yeah. The Bears. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Have you ever been to Canton? No. Bucket list item, though. Yeah, I would love to go. I think that would be really fun. Um, and the Hall of Fame game every year, you know, now it, has it always been played? It's always been played at Canton, hasn't it? As far as I know. Yeah, because they have that really sh- small field there. Yes. That would be such a cool environment. And keep in mind that when we talk about these original teams, the NFL eventually merged right with the AFL. Yeah. And so some of those teams uh, from the AFL, they're still around. But when we mention these teams, this is just the original teams from the 1920 uh, inception of the NFL. Yeah. Man, that's really cool. Yeah, I would... You could spend a lot of time researching a lot of these different things. Oh, yeah. Because um, the, the whole name thing is really interesting to me, how they move. I mean, because they move around. It's, it's a, they're business decisions when they move. Right. You know, their owner is saying, I think this, this would be more profitable in a different city, um, and so on and so forth like that. And we see that even still today. I mean, we just had the St. Louis Rams mm-hmm. relocate yeah. to Los Angeles. Yeah. And it's interesting to see, especially with how the game has become so big today, how that affects cities when they lose a team, when another city gains a team, how that reaction uh, takes place, what all goes into that. I mean, we're right in the middle of the uh, the Raiders. They're about to relocate uh, to Las Vegas, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. The Las Vegas Raiders, uh, they'll be moving in a year or two on the completion of their stadium. Um, but it, it's just interesting to see how a fan base reacts, especially now since the game has grown to the point that it has. Uh, I mean, it's just the it, it's the biggest thing in television today, the biggest uh, one of the biggest things in our country. And a name change, uh, a relocation, I think certainly has a much greater impact probably today than it did in the early 1900s, mid-1900s. Oh, by far. When they relocated or would change. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge deal now. And thankfully, there's TV around, so even people who are in those cities can still watch their favorite teams. I can't imagine back in the day. No. I've also been interested, uh, because I have several friends from the St. Louis area uh, in Missouri that claim the Rams as their team, to see the reaction from them and their group of friends on who's still a fan of the Rams and, and who's not, you know, some of them are heartbroken by it and they feel betrayed. And so they have no love for the Rams anymore. Yeah. Cut ties and some are still, you know, loyal and dedicated. Yeah. I went, we went to St. Louis a couple of years ago and um, it was the, the year the team moved and it's like a ghost town over there where the stadium was. It's weird. Right. Yeah. I just heard the other day, it looks like they're going to get a major league soccer franchise oh, wow. expansion. Yeah. And so the city seems to be pretty excited about that. I mean, that's a fast growing sport in America right now as well. So, you know, maybe they'll uh they'll be able to heal a little bit from the from the loss of their beloved St. Louis Ram football franchise. <laughs> okay, you want to take a break? Let's do it. Let's get this break out of the way and then uh, we will continue on with our list of football fascinating facts right after this.
And we're back. Just like that. Just like a media timeout. We're I back. hate those. I do too. What do you, what do you, what's your, what's your go-to when it's a timeout? What are you doing? I'm flipping to another channel trying to find another football game that's not advertising. Really? Yeah. So, well, what about like on a Thursday night game? Ah. Well, I don't know. I don't guess I, I put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> Probably looking for a baseball game. Um, okay, or so a snack. we've gone through four. We have six to go. Um, I am... I'm going to bring it back into the modern age just a little bit. Um, we've been spending a lot of time in history land USA. And uh, I'm going to go... Now, I'm going to hop on the DeLorean and go back in time again, but not as far. Okay. So I'm going back to 2015 mm-hmm. when the NFL, NFL, I can't talk. The NFL hired its first full-time female official. I remember that. It, it was only a few years ago, so I hope you would. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sarah Thomas became the first full-time female official in NFL history uh, in the 2015-2016 football season. Um, so Shannon Easton though was the first woman to officiate an NFL game though but she did not have a full time contract with the league uh, Sarah Thomas did um, so yeah I mean it's it's definitely one of those it's interesting just because you know football for such a long time has been just kind of a a boys club um, so yes. to see her come in and I mean from everything I've heard, I mean, obviously I don't know firsthand, but everything I heard, she's been fine. I mean, there's, I mean, I don't, why wouldn't she be fine? But I've not heard of any controversy surrounding. Yeah. Which is good. I think that's, that's probably good for the league to have that face. Sure. Uh, so yeah, modern times, NFL hiring its first full-time female official. Um, and I would, I would assume probably the first of many to come. I don't think she'll be the last. No. No. I, in fact, I think we're going to see more and more, uh, not just as rest, but make their way onto the sidelines in uh, team coaching capacities Yeah, in the next several years. I don't know that I see... I, I mean, I know in like lower level college and high school you have females kind of getting on the field in like place kicker roles right i don't see that happening at least anytime soon no in the foreseeable future i agree that happening yeah in major college or the nfl right i think it's just uh, obviously there's there's i mean the, go for it if you want to but I think just the way genetics are, um, it's just such a, it's such a violent game. Right. I, I don't, I couldn't do it. And I just look at my, the only experience I know of this topic is my wife, just cause I know my wife and how her body type is. And I just don't see. I think something else we, feasible. that we think about with this is that we, especially in the last three, four, five years, we've really, really focused in on um, domestic violence when it comes to NFL players. And there's been several yeah. well-known, uh, prolific NFL players 
that have been in trouble with the law due to domestic violence and domestic abuse. Yeah. And for me, it just, it almost doesn't sit well to, to say, you know, you, you leave your hands off of them in this environment outside of football, but then bring them in, and then you're going to tell these same guys, you know, go after them and hit them. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's a bad taste. It's yeah. a bad taste, yeah. Yeah, I just don't now, think. I'll tell you, tell you what I would love to see is a, I would love to start seeing like a female league. I think that would be really interesting. Now, beyond like the quote-unquote powder puff games and the lingerie football. I was going to say, didn't didn't we have this experiment uh, a few years ago? I don't know. If we if we was do, it the lingerie league? Is that all it was? I know that was uh, has been for a while. A bit. I, I've never personally watched a game. Was that the XFL? No, the XFL was legitimate ish. Okay. It was. Was it women? No. Oh, okay. No, it was. It was. It was it was like wrestling on a football field. Okay. Like extreme rules. Now the XFL is coming back. Oh wow! It's launching again next year. They actually just signed their first player. I can't remember who the name was, but uh, it's coming back with a with rules closer to the regular NFL. But yeah, that's my uh, Sarah Thomas. My next one. Footballs themselves. I, you know, we just I finished my soliloquy on pig bladders so i thought i'd talk some more about football see how that goes over uh many people before a few years ago probably weren't aware of the uh, specific strict requirements that footballs had to be met with before they could be used in a game now thanks to a certain quarterback from new england and a coach yeah uh more people are aware of the strictness and the the protection that goes into keeping these footballs safe uh, to keep them from being messed with before a game. Uh, we've learned that through deflate gate, yeah. as it's known. But uh, they have to be hand-selected, produced by Wilson Sporting Goods. They have to have the signature of the commissioner of the league. And uh, before every single game, the uh, each NFL team that's playing, they have to take... 12 primary balls and 12 backup balls, and they have to make them available to the refs for testing uh, two and a half hours, uh, at least two and a half hours before the game. And then uh, they go into a sealed box, not supposed to be touched Yeah. Uh, before that point. And then for every single game, they have six brand new footballs sealed in a special box that's been shipped by the manufacturer to the referee. They're opened, the refs open these in the locker room uh, two hours and 15 minutes uh, before the game starts. And these footballs are marked specifically for the use of kicking in the game. And that's the only thing that they're used for. Exclusively really? used for kicking. Wow. Six, six of them. Every single game. It's amazing to me all that work for... Yeah. Plus the cow's lives. You know. Exactly. It's It's... My, I wonder if they put the same kind of care and security into like basketballs and baseballs, and you know, hockey pucks and right. You know, I I don't see them doing. You don't hear about it at least. No, I mean baseballs have made some news this year, but uh, it's been more due to, uh, I guess, some players, pitchers 
especially feel like the 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 baseballs have been changed because the number of home runs this year in Major League Baseball are drastically higher. Yeah. And so you got some star pitchers saying, "Look, I know how I pitch. I don't give up that many home runs." So there's been something changed with the baseballs. But as far as how they're protect, now I know that they keep them in uh, dehumidifiers or something like that to keep the baseballs from uh, they they put the baseballs in a dehumidifier. Now I can't talk. Yeah, uh, to, to keep a, the the humidity down or or something. So I know that there is some sort of uh, regulations on how they handle the baseballs. But footballs certainly, and especially with all the news that they made in the past few years have been given extra protection. Yeah. It's it's like they're uh there's some sort of made of gold or something. Right. Right. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um okay. Let's hop in the DeLorean again. Uh we're going to go way back 1906 when President Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, yes. President Theodore Roosevelt made some major changes to football, introducing the forward pass. Yes, I was reading that. He felt the rules uh, needed change because of the number of deaths in the game. How different would the game be today if there was no forward pass? Oh, man. That's even hard to imagine. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, in 1905, it had been a bloody year. This is according to Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Oh, yeah. Um, 1905, bloody year on the gridiron. The Chicago Chicago Tribune reported 18 players had been killed and 159 seriously injured in that season. Um, there were this – is, this is what – probably the most fascinating thing to me. There were um, plans to remove and outlaw the game of football. Right. And President Roosevelt personally intervened and demanded that the rules of the game be reformed in a meeting of more than 60 schools. Now, remember, this is, this is college athletics. Can you imagine if there were 20 deaths in college football today, what would happen? It would be uh, a complete meltdown I, of, of I don't even think, I don't think the president could even intervene yeah. and save it. But uh, in a meeting of more than 60 schools in late 1905, the committee uh, the commitment was made to make the game safer. This is this is so cool. This meeting was the first step toward the establishment of what would become the NCAA. More and then, uh, of course, it goes into effect. The laws take place, and then most sources credit St. Louis University's Bradbury. Bradbury Robertson from Bellevue, Ohio, with throwing the first legal forward pass on September 5th, 1906, against Carroll College. Uh, in that same game, uh, that first attempt, this is what's fascinating. His first attempt was an incomplete pass, and according to the rules back then, was a turnover. Oh, man. He missed the target, and so it was automatic a turnover. How would that change the game? Oh, just, that would be really <laughs> fun. Uh, in the same game, though, Robinson later completed a 20-yard touchdown pass to Jack Snyder. Schneider. Uh, he, he completed what? A 20-yard pass. That was the first completion? That was the first completion. Wow. So. Yep. Let's, uh, let, let's talk about how fantasy football. Okay. Because this is something, and 
it feels relatively new, but it has it has really, I think, kind of changed. Uh, maybe not necessarily changed the game of football, but it for a lot of us it has changed our perspective on football. Uh-huh. And it has even I think I think it has helped the NFL, and it's part of the reason why I think they're they're beginning to relax some of their. Uh, some of their requirements on betting and gambling. Yeah. Uh, basketball doing the same. Uh, from some of these fantasy sports sites where there's cash prizes given out. But um, it's drawn in, I think, fans that probably weren't necessarily ever fans of football or a sport before that just enjoyed the, the fantasy aspect of it. Uh-huh. And they begin tracking some of these players. And so I think it has helped to grow the league. Um, according to uh, CNN uh, business, that uh, it's a $1.5 billion industry now. Wow. And so fantasy football really, I know for several years, it caused me to really uh, follow certain players more than what I typically did before. You know, I would be a fan. I'm I'm a Denver Broncos fan. But... You know, I would start to follow other teams because I might own a player from a from a certain from a certain team, and uh, I think the I think the fantasy aspect to football is just is just incredible, especially how it's just kind of seemed to exploded in the last few years. Last week on ESPN, they did their twenty four hour forty eight hour marathon show where you've got Matthew Barry and all the fantasy experts on ESPN for. 24 to 48 hours and they're doing fantasy live fantasy drafts on TV with with yeah. with all your ESPN personalities which is entertaining. It's highly entertaining. But to stop and think that we're sitting watching other people draft fantasy football teams yeah. is just incredible. I remember seeing a clip of Adam Schefter uh, about to hit Katie Nolan over with a chair cuz yes, she picked somebody he wanted. Yes. So, you know, uh I want to throw fantasy football into the yeah. mix. Fantasy football. Okay. We've each done four. I think it's time for a break. And uh, we will come back with our last big football fact of the day, plus honorable mentions. Oh, yeah. In just about two spins of a football. We'll be right back. Pigskin. Okay, you are listening to royalty-free music because that's what we can afford. Uh, that was funnier the first time. Yes, it was. It was so much funnier <laughs> the first time. Uh, okay, so we've each gone through four amazing football facts. We're down to our last one. This has been a very educational hour. Very much. I feel like this could be on PBS. Yeah. Um, okay, so my I debated really hard uh, uh on which should be my last one and which should be my honorable mentions. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the more entertaining and educational to be my last pick. Okay. Um, 
I am once again traveling in my DeLorean and going to 1948 when the Los Angeles Rams were the first NFL team to put logos on the sides of their helmets. Wow. Yeah. LA Rams. Uh, up until then, it had all been solid colors. And then um, the Rams put their the basic ram horn on their helmet and has pretty much remained mostly the same since yes, then. it has. Which are now back in L.A. It went from L.A. to St. Louis to L.A. And um, so I tell you what, my favorite, though, is the, the clean navy blue and white. I love that the one. The white horn. I don't really like the yellow or gold. Yeah, I was never a fan of the yellow. But, that man, that white. It's sharp. With that blue and white uniform oh, yeah. with just the splashes of yellow yep. and the text and stuff is solid. Um, as of as of right now, at the time of recording this podcast, the Cleveland Browns are the only team left in the NFL not using a logo on their helmet. They remain the only one with just a solid color helmet, uh, which they need to change. It's time. I was going to say, you know, it, it's time for Cleveland to get on board because I mean they're hideous. Yeah, it's just their color scheme is not the greatest to begin with. No. Now, some of their design looks really good. Their Cleveland logo and and now the dog pound part, not a fan of that. But like some of the design choices they've got are great. I think they could do some good stuff if they just updated their color scheme. Even if they, they leaned heavily into the brown. Sure. But that brown and orange, man, that's it's like a, 1979. Uh, that's what it feels like. It is. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the only NFL team that puts the logo on only one side of its I, helmet. And, you know, I've been curious why that is. I don't know. Do you know? I don't, I don't know why. Um, Someone should look that up for us and yeah. send it in. Let us know. We're curious. Um, and the Cincinnati Bengals, after using a word mark on their helmet uh, in 1981, decided to change to a tiger stripe all the way across their helmet. Okay. So they're one of if not the only one to really use a pattern all the way. Now the Jaguars a couple of years ago, I think they've recently switched back, but they did like a gradient yes. on their helmet, which was ugly. Oh man, it was, Oh, it was terrible. Um, it was like a, a Jag print in the yeah. front and faded into a black mat. Didn't which it? I think, I think their new uniforms are solid. I think it's all matte. Okay. And, and their primary is now black. And it just has the team logo on the helmet. Yeah. So yeah, little helmet, a helmet work, and, and you know, design. I think uh, I think Alabama and Penn State could also. Yeah. Oh, and you know, Alabama, the, the, both of them, they're iconic, uh, traditional franchises, right? Um, programs, and you know, the fan base doesn't want that, but the rest of us are out here looking at it, going, "It's time." Yes, it's time for sure. Okay, I was also debating on my last, my last fact to give today, and uh, since I like numbers, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with some dollar figures here, uh, because show me the money exactly, and the NFL can do just that exactly. I mean, they uh, you can you could say that you could determine a league's success by the value of its teams. And I was I was amazed by this. The, the NFL, if you just compare the NFL to Major League Baseball, the NFL blows MLB out of the water. Every single NFL team, 
is worth more than $1.6 billion. Wow. Now, there are seven Major League Baseball teams worth less than $1 billion. Only 10 MLB teams are worth more than the NFL's least valuable team. Oh, my gosh. Which is the Detroit Lions. $1.6 1. This was as of uh, late 2018. So these numbers may have fluctuated a little bit. But the NFL uh, is just so much more valuable as a whole. And, of course, their, their star franchise yeah. is uh, the America's team, which we could debate that. Yeah, um, please. But the Dallas Cowboys, hands down, the most valuable most valuable franchise in football. Was there a pun intended by calling them the star? The star. Franchise? Yes. Yeah. That, that, that was my, <laughs> that was my pun. Uh, but nearly $5 billion. That's so much for a subpar team. And the, the baseballs, their most valuable franchise would be uh, your favorite team. Wait, no, no, I got that backwards. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, the New York Yankees. Oh, uh, we were about to fight. <laughs> Craig is a is a Red Sox fan. I, I am affronted by his Red Sox emblem uh, that I have to yeah. stare at every single time we do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but the the Yankees. I mean, there, there's no denying how how big that franchise is, but still worth less than four billion dollars. Um, and then when you just look at a whole, you take all of those terrible NFL teams still blow away some of baseball's biggest franchises. It's crazy. It's so much money. Yet, like, baseball players tend to get paid more. They do. It's, a, it's insane how they, it works that way. Huge, massive contracts. Yeah. That I, and I don't understand why uh, baseball teams hand out some of those $350 million contracts to some of these guys for, yeah. like, 10 years. It's crazy. Okay. Honorable mention time. Um, I have got three, really. There's some sub ones in there, but I'm just going to rattle them off really quickly since we've gone a little long. Um, you're a numbers guy, so you'll like all of these are numbers related. Um, Miami, the city of Miami has hosted the most Super Bowls at 10. They've hosted 10 times. Um, all these are Super Bowl related. Um the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots have won the most Super Bowls. Um, they've each won six. Um, the Steelers have the better record at six and two, but the Patriots have been to more. They've been to 11 Super Bowls. Wow. That's nuts. And Tom Brady has been to six of them? Six. That's crazy. Seven. Yeah. Um, and then there have been four teams that have failed to reach the Super Bowl. Um out of the 32, only four have never made it. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Houston Texans. Wow. None of them have made it ever to the Super Bowl. Jags had an opportunity. They had a chance. They, they did. Yep. So those are my honorable mentions. All right. I've only got one to throw in there. One last little fact that I thought was fun. Uh, New Year's Day, uh, January the 1st, there is a big uh, parade held in Pasadena, California. That's true. 
and uh, apparently it wasn't getting enough attention. And so they thought, how could we get more eyeballs to view this parade? And so in 1902, they decided, let's attach a football game to this. Pretty good idea, I think. I think it was a great idea. So they hosted uh, two of the best college football teams, one from the East, one from the West, and uh, the inaugural tournament East-West football game. It was between Michigan and Stanford, and it was such a it was such a route. Michigan just destroyed uh, Stanford that they actually conceded defeat with eight minutes left to go in the Are game. You serious? Yeah, yeah they they just, they just quit. Oh my god. They waved the white flag. And so this was in 1902. They didn't host another game until 1916. And then in 1923, they moved it to a new stadium called the Rose Bowl. And the uh, the bowl game, as we know it, was born wow. as one of the most iconic uh, college football games uh, every single year. Yeah, But all started because they needed more attention for their tournament of roses. And what better way to do it than to... Put some football in there with flowers. <laughs> um, side note, there are too many bowl games in the college game. Yeah, we could eliminate 20 of them. We could eliminate probably more than that. Probably. Uh, you got a, anything else on football? No, just ready to sit down and, and watch it for the next, uh, what is it, 12 weeks, 14 weeks, yes, uh, all 17 weeks in, November, in NFL? Or February. Yeah. Yeah. There will not be another weekend without football until until February. I'm so happy. And th- that is fantastic. I'm ready to put a hoodie on and watch the football. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that'll do it for us. Um, be sure to, uh, Aaron, what do they need to do? They need to go onto Apple Podcasts. They need to go to Apple Podcasts. Uh, they need to subscribe. So hit that subscribe button. To 10 Things Podcast. Yeah. Give us a five-star rating, too. That helps tremendously. Oh, yeah. Leave us a review. Yeah. All those things help people find us. Uh, Check us out on Instagram. Yep. Uh, we, we haven't done a lot on Instagram yet. No, but it's coming. But it's coming soon. Uh, yeah, do all those things and help us spread the world. Tell a friend also. If you know a friend that likes podcasts, uh, send them the link to this and let them uh, let them enjoy the 10 things also. Okay, that'll do it. I'm Craig. I'm Aaron. And we will see you next week. Adios. Adios.